You're listening to audio from Queen City Church. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message will encourage you and offer practical steps for a relationship with God that keeps getting better and better. I've got a word that I wanna, I wanna share with you, something that God's been stirring in my heart and my spirit going all the way back to last year, and I wanna give you that word today. So we're gonna be in the book of Colossians, which is in the New Testament, Colossians chapter two, verses six through seven. I'd love for you to get your Bibles, tablets, and smartphones out. If you don't have any of that, we're gonna put everything on the screen for you. I wanna read this text, and then I wanna tell you a story and unpack this a little bit. It says, and now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Everybody shout, follow him. Listen to this next part. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then, everybody shout then. Your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. I've entitled this sermon today, The Oaks Beyond the Pines. And if you're taking notes, and I really hope you are, I want you to write that down. We're learning some things in these couple verses we just read if we'll stop and look. God is always speaking if we'll stop and look. And so there's this phrase, follow him. And it comes on the other side of this moment where we're reminded that it's a call for those of us that that have accepted Christ. So we accept Christ and then we follow him. In other words, it's a process. Following Jesus is a process. And you are planted at a church in a house where the goal is not perfection because that was never the the mandate that Jesus gave us as his followers and as people making up his church. The process is about making progress. So you are at a church, you are planted in this house. And for those of you that have said yes to Jesus, you need to know that it's a process where the desire of this church is to help disciple you to make some progress. That's following Jesus 101. It starts with accepting him. Some of you even today made that massively important decision last week, but that was not the end of your story. It's the beginning. As a matter of fact, there are all kinds of things under God's kingdom that we see as the end. And in fact, it's just a new beginning in disguise. And so when we say yes to Jesus and we say yes to following him, we enter into this process. And then part of that process we get a glimpse of is about, according to the text, growing, letting our roots grow down into him and letting our lives be built on him. So I wanna have this conversation with you, as odd as it might be, about the difference between oak trees and pine trees. I love the the time of the year we're in at spring. I guess more accurately, I should say that I love most of spring in Ohio. Like here's the part I love, the same part you love. I love that I woke up this morning with the sun shining and the birds chirping. What I don't like is the 80% chance of rain this afternoon when I'm supposed to be watching a Reds game with my son, right? That's the part I don't like. And in Ohio, weather can change like that. I mean, you just snap your finger and the weather can change. And that's really true during the spring. It can go from warm and nice to rainy and nasty. And oh my gosh, how did this happen? But If we go back a few months to winter, when everything was dead and brown and dying and gross to look at, there was one tree that stands the test of time every winter, and it's the pine tree. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. It's this magnificent and beautiful tree. They can grow 20, 25, even over 30 feet tall in the state of Ohio, and they stay green all year round, while during the winter months, everything else 
turns brown. They look amazing. We have an obsession with pine trees in our culture and in our society, right? They stay so green in the winter that we cut those green trees down to put them in our house at Christmas time. And if we don't cut one down to put it in our house at Christmas time, we go to Bath and Body Works and we get the pine tree air freshener, right? Am I right? So that when people walk in, they think we have a real tree and we're just posing because we know it ain't real. But it smells real. We love pine trees and why wouldn't we? They're beautiful. A few years ago, my wife and I were remodeling the home that we now live in with our kids and we didn't, we didn't build it, we were just remodeling it. We didn't do the landscaping, we were just trying to improve it. And we've got a guy in our church who's a professional landscaper. So he came over and he was helping us walk through things we wanted to do in the yard. And, and there was a lot that we could work with and do, but there was kind of this odd thing at the house. It was this, this, this cluster of pine trees on the front left corner of our yard. And when I say cluster, I don't mean it was like a straight line, it was literally just like 12 to 13 pine trees that had just been planted as little sapling pine trees years earlier. And these trees were over 20 feet tall. And they were put there years ago to create this wind barrier from the wind getting to the house. And so I was talking to the landscaper and we were talking about all kinds of other stuff closer to the house. And he said, hey, Chris, what's the one thing you kind of wish you could do here that you're just not sure if you can do with your landscaping? And I said, well, I'd love to move those pine trees is what I'd love to do. I love the pine trees, but I'd like to put them into a, a straight line instead of putting them all up there. And I said, but I know we, we can't do that. And he was like, well, yes, you can. And I was like, wait, we can move those pine trees? And he said, oh yeah. He said, Chris, here's what most people don't know about pine trees. They're, they're really tall, but their root systems are really shallow. And so it's actually really easy to uproot a pine tree and to transplant it somewhere else, no matter how big that tree is. So if you wanna do that, we can do that. And I just, I just felt like he blew my mind. I mean, I started thinking to myself, are you kidding me? Like you can just uproot these massive pine trees and move them. And then I felt like God started showing me something in the months that followed that moment. I started seeing that after every storm, after every bit of high wind we had go through the area, I would drive and, and like you always do after a storm, you see trees, right? You see limbs that are down, you see trees that have blown over. And I started to realize that after every storm, if you look, you're gonna see a pine tree that didn't just have a branch fall off. It didn't just crack in the middle. It was literally toppled over with the roots sticking out of the ground. And I felt like God was trying to show me something with all of this. So I started to pray through it. God, what are you trying to show me? And I believe, Queen City, that what he showed me was this. There are too many of us in too many churches that are more like pine trees than oak trees. We look great on the outside, but when life throws something at us, when culture preaches a message that's counter to scripture and the word of God, we are like those pine trees. We just are so easy to topple over and uproot and transplant. Because see, the oak tree's very different than the pine tree. I mean, we're all familiar with oak trees. And yes, during the winter months, they look like they're dead and dying. But what we can't see when we're looking at the tree above the ground is the reality that the root system underneath the ground is still growing and it's strengthening and it's growing deep and wide roots that are designed to stand the test of time. There is no stronger tree in the state of Ohio than an oak tree. It lasts and it has staying power. And God doesn't want his church, the church, not just this church, the church, 
to be full of pine trees. He wants us to be full of oak trees so that we can stand the test of time and so that our roots can grow deep and so they can grow wide and impact everything around us. And so here's what culture says. Culture says your feelings are the ultimate authority in your life. We live in a world right now more than ever that says follow your feelings. But our feelings are folly and our folly feelings lie to us. And God speaks a message in a word that's completely different because where the message of culture is follow your feelings, God says if you wanna be rooted and if you want your faith to take root, follow my words. Because where my feelings will fail me, God's word will never fail me. And there's this story that Jesus tells in Mark chapter four, verses three through nine. You can read it for yourself. We're gonna unpack some of it together, but you can read it for yourself later where he tells this story about a sower planting seed. And let me set the scene for you and, and tell you the story before we unpack it all. So Jesus is talking to this crowd of people, and this is important because in the crowd of people, there are both religious people, there are non-religious people, and there are people that have been hurt by religion and aren't sure what they think, right? They have this, this idea and this openness to, to God, but they're not really sure how that fits in their life. It was hard to find somebody in Jesus' day and age that didn't have a belief in God, but they believe lots of different things about God. And so Jesus is speaking to people that, that fit all of this, church people, unchurched people, and people that aren't sure what they think about the church. That's what I love about this place, is that we've got all three of those groups represented in the room and online this morning. We do. And so Jesus is talking to this group and he says, there was one day a sower and that sower went out with his satchel and he started casting seed. I, I love how some translations talk about this satchel because I'm a visual learner and it immediately makes me picture that this farmer has got his little trendy satchel on and he's got Birkenstocks and an oversized fear of God t-shirt on, right? It's just like the, the original drip king is the, the sower sowing the seed. And so Jesus says, the sower goes out and he, he starts sowing all this, all this different Seed, and some of that seed, Jesus says, hits the walking path. And Jesus said, when it hit the walking path, the birds came down and ate it. It never even got to take root. It didn't get to grow at all. It got eaten before it could grow and do anything. And then he says, there were other seeds that the sower sowed and they fell on the rocks. And he said that those seeds started to grow. They had signs of life, a little bit of green, but they got choked out by the rocks before the roots could really go anywhere. And then he says, there were seeds that fell on the thorns. And because they landed on the ground that was underneath of the thorns and between the thorns, it started to grow. But, but as they started to get a little bigger, then the thorns choked out those plants and they didn't get to do anything. And then Jesus says, there were also some seeds that fell on good soil. And those are the seeds that took root and they grew. And then he says in Mark 4, 9, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Now I want us to listen and understand what Jesus is talking about when he says this, because there's something significant that he points out here. Anyone with ears, okay, you're hearing, but I don't just want you to hear, I need you to listen and understand. There are too many of us, too many of the times, myself included, that come into environments like this and we hear the word, but we don't really listen to the word. And if we don't listen to the word, 
then we can't understand the word and the word can't take root in our heart. And so Jesus says, I know everybody can hear me right now, but there's a difference between hearing and listening. And I need you to listen to the word. And if you listen, then you're gonna understand it. But when I hear Jesus say, listen and understand, I always wanna ask the question, understand what? And I think it really takes us back to where we started in Colossians chapter two, verses six through seven, where it seems to be that we're getting this idea that faith has to have roots to grow. In Colossians, we have this conversation about faith and roots and deep roots. And then in this parable, Jesus is talking about roots and growth and what it looks like to follow him. And I think the takeaway from all this is that shallow roots will create a shallow faith that lead to an unfulfilled life. Jesus doesn't want any of us to have a life unfulfilled. As a matter of fact, we're all at different ages and stages on our journey, right? In process, making progress, we're all at different places. But here's what unites all of us, even those of us that are skeptical about this whole God thing, Jesus thing, and church thing. It's that all of us wanna live a life of purpose. We don't wanna live lives unfulfilled. As a matter of fact, that's why some of us showed up and came to church in the first place because we knew that there had to be something more than what the world was offering me because the world and its offerings always leave me longing for more. No matter how good it gets, I always want more because Jesus is the answer to that more that I want. My soul has that longing. And so Jesus says, I want you to live a life fulfilled. And keep in mind that he's not just talking to the unchurched and the de-churched group of people when he's telling this story. He's talking to the religious folk. Sometimes I think those of us that have done church the longest are more susceptible to letting our roots remain shallow instead of deep. Here's why. Because it's one thing to know about God. It's another thing to follow God. And Jesus is talking to a whole group of people that know lots of things about God. Pharisees, teachers of the law, they know about God. But Jesus spends so much of his message on earth, not just loving people on the outside looking in, but challenging people that are already on the inside that they need to move beyond religion into a relationship. That's how my faith ultimately takes roots. And just because I know about God doesn't mean I'm walking step in step with God. So how does growing deep roots work? Look at Mark 4.14. The seed the farmer is sowing is the good news, God's word. The seed in the context of our conversation today matters. The seed in the context of your journey and my journey following Jesus matters because the seed represents God's word. The psalmist in Psalm 119, 11 says, God, I'm hiding your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. In other words, what the psalmist is saying is, God, the way that I know how to follow you is actually by hiding your word in my heart so that I know when I'm doing something in my life that is counter to your word. It goes back to this whole idea of God's word being the ultimate authority. Listen to me, Queen City, I'm not the ultimate authority. Your pastor's not the ultimate authority. God's word is the ultimate authority. Everything we do as a people and as a church is about pointing people to the truth of God's word. So when I, when I put something into my life, I should expect that thing to come out of my life. That's why a lot of us don't like what's coming out of our life because we're not putting God's word in our life, we're putting other things in our life. And then we wonder 
in different times and different seasons while we're getting things out of our life that are counter to the word of God. I don't know if you've been there. I have. I've gone through seasons of my life where I don't like what's coming out of my life and I realize that so much of it goes back to what I've been putting in to my life. The seed always precedes the soil. The seed matters. You have to plant the word in your heart if you want good things to grow in your life and not just good things, right? Godly things. I have to plant the word in my heart if I want godly things to grow in my life. Then he goes on to Mark 4, 15. He says, some people are the seed thrown onto the path. The tempter snaps up the word before it can even take root. There are some of us that are on the path right now. Some of us that just started walking on the path right now. Some of us literally just stepped onto the path last week. And here's what I need you to know. If you're not careful, when you're on the path, it can lead you to becoming misguided. Because the enemy is a master of disruption and distraction. And so if we're not careful, we'll say yes to following Jesus, we'll start walking on the path, and then we'll be surprised when the enemy steps up his attack on us. And we'll start thinking to ourselves, well, my goodness, I just said yes to Jesus. Why does it feel like everything's working against me right now? I'm glad you asked. I've got the answer for you. The enemy wasn't worried about you when he had you. He's worried about you now that God has you. But my Bible says no weapon formed against me is gonna prosper and everyone who rises up against me is gonna have to fall. And some of you who are new in your faith need to receive that word today. I need you to know the enemy stepping up his attack. But following Jesus, man, it's not the easiest thing you've ever done. It's gonna be the hardest thing you've ever done. I had a friend several years ago who climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. He trained for nine months to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. And he said that climbing Mount Kilimanjaro almost killed him. He said, I think that's why Kilimanjaro's in the name, kill is in the name, Kilimanjaro, because I think that that mountain was trying to kill me. He said, Chris, I trained for nine months. I trained with a trainer for nine months. He's like, I didn't YouTube some videos and Google, how do you climb Mount Kilimanjaro? I had somebody walk with me and work out with me and show me, and I still think it's the hardest thing I've ever physically put my body through. Listen, you've gotta train for the journey ahead, and that's why coming to church and being part of the house of God with the people of God matters because we are training you to send you out into the world that is gonna feel like you're climbing Mount Kilimanjaro sometimes. And that doesn't happen overnight. You don't just, you don't just get to decide you're ready. Saying yes to Jesus was the first step, but it's not the last step. There is a real enemy who wants to uproot the seed God is trying to plant in your heart. The sooner that all of us following Jesus know that, the more equipped we can be to make sure that the seed doesn't fall on the path and get us off course and lead us to being misguided about the destination. Look at Mark 4, 16 through 17. I love the, these two verses. Others are the seed thrown among the rocks. Those people hear the word and receive it immediately with joy and enthusiasm. But without deep roots, doubt 
Trouble or persecution instantly withers their faith. I think the rocks in this text represent hype. Because hope without roots, it's just hype. I told you at the beginning of this word that this is an anointed house. That this is not just a special house, this is an anointed house. But you know what happens sometimes when we step into a place that's anointed? We love how it makes us feel. Me too. I love what God is doing at this house. I love what God is doing through this church. And it makes me feel a certain kind of way when I'm here. But listen to me. If the only thing you do in regards to your relationship with following Jesus is come to church on Sunday for an hour and 20 minutes to get that feeling and you do nothing with it when you leave, then you're not allowing your roots to grow deep. You've got shallow roots and your face built on hype, not hope. Sometimes we can, we can act in church more like an addict that needs a fix if I can be so bold as to say it. We just, we just need our Jesus today. So I'm gonna go get my Jesus for an hour and 20 minutes and then I'm gonna put him back on the shelf until next Sunday. And then I'll do it all over again. Now listen, you gotta take this thing with you when you leave. You get filled up with the hope of Jesus here so that you can live it to a hurting, dying world out there. The church is not a building we come to, it's a movement we belong to, Queen City. And we gotta move beyond hype to experience the hope of Jesus. Those of us that just come for the hype, we just come for the show, we just come for the feeling. And we do nothing with it when we leave. In Revelation 3.15, God's got a term for that. He calls it lukewarm. It's the people that aren't really, they're not really hot or they're not really cold. They got a foot on both sides. And God says, I'd rather just know that you're hot and you're following me and you're committed to doing whatever it takes. I'd rather just know that you're cold and you're checked out and you're not interested in this because I, I, can, I can get your attention. I can do things to get in your life. But if you wanna straddle this line with one foot on the cold side and one foot on the hot side, man, that's gonna be hard for me to work with. And really, the reason God challenges us not to be lukewarm is because he knows that if we're lukewarm, our roots will never grow deep and wide. We'll never make the impact we were supposed to make. And so sometimes in the context of church, we, we come and we get that feeling and we get that experience and then we hear our pastor talk about young adult nights and youth and kids. And that's not the only thing you do here, right? You've got small groups, you've got growth track, you've got serve teams, you've got opportunities to give every week. Some of you are gonna say yes to the decision of baptism today and publicly express your faith. And we are, as your church family, gonna celebrate that public declaration. There's all these next steps you can take and some of us will sit in our hands in our seat refusing to take them because we believe the lie of the enemy that says, see, it's just another church that wants something from you. Man, the enemy's good at that, isn't he? Oh man, serving, that's just so they can staff their teams. Small groups, they just wanna celebrate that number. Giving, that's just so they can accomplish their next project. The church just wants something from you. God didn't design any of these things to get something from us. He designed it so that we could step into fully experiencing what he has for us. 
Because God knows that when we serve other people, when we give and sow seeds of generosity, when we publicly take a step and express our faith, when we get in community with one another and do life together, the gates of hell can't stop what God started. And so it's not about anything God wants from us. It's not about anything the church wants from us. It's about what God and the church wants for us. Mark 4, 8. Through 19, still others are the seed tossed among the weeds and the brambles. The word has reached them, but the things of this life, the worries, listen to this, the drive for more and more, the desire for other things, those things cluster around close and choke the life of God out of them until they cannot produce. When I, when I find the seed God's trying to plant in my life in the weeds, what it really means is that I, I'm getting distracted. I'm getting distracted. I'm moving further away from the things of God in my life. Can I tell you a core conviction I have in my own life? It's that I will always prioritize the things that are most important to me. If I really care about those things, I'm gonna prioritize my time with those things. And the weeds choke out in different seasons of our life the ability for us to press in and draw close to Jesus like we're supposed to. James 4, 8 says, draw close to the one true God and he will draw close to you. If God feels far away, it's not because he's moved. It's because we're not pursuing God like we need to. And life gets in the way, right? Things get in the way. Activity gets in the way. Calendars get in the way. Listen, we either value being in the house of God or we don't. We either value being in community with the people of God or we don't. There is a reason that Jesus expressed through the life he lived the importance of community. Y'all, Jesus was the son of God. He was the savior of the universe. He didn't need anybody to do what he did. God could have let him do it all by himself. And yet, how does Jesus start his entire earthly ministry? By calling 12 disciples, by showing us that community matters. Listen, if Jesus says community matters, how many of y'all know community matters? And I can't get community just by coming on Sundays. I've got to get invested to this thing we call Queen City Church so that the weeds don't distract me and choke out what God's trying to do in my life. Mark 4.20. But those last seeds, those seeds sown into good soil, question mark, I love the question mark. Those people hear the word, accept it, meditate on it, act on it, and bear fruit. And then Jesus goes on. He says, they don't just bear fruit. They bear a crop 30, 60, or 100 times larger than the farmer dropped to earth. How is that possible? Because when we give God our just enough, he takes it and he turns it into more than enough. And so God says, if you'll give me your just enough, I'm gonna take it, I'm gonna multiply it, I'm gonna grow it, I'm gonna do something that in your wildest dreams you would have not ever thought was possible. What's around the seed matters as much as the seed itself. And you know that there's this weird thing about good soil, Queen City. I'm a country boy from Southern Ohio where farm fields surround my house. And let me tell you that about this time of year when they start tilling the soil in those farm fields, you don't wanna have your windows down because good soil stinks. Some of you will get it later. Do you know why good soil stinks? Because it's been through some stuff. I said stuff. 
been through it. What am I telling you? I need you to know that you're not at a perfect church. Your pastor's never claimed to be perfect. He's never claimed all this is perfect. But here's what happens sometimes. God shows up in our life. He begins to change and transform us from the inside out. And because there are people, pastors, staff, leaders that help us walk along the journey, we incorrectly assume that this whole thing must be perfect. You can't have good soil if it doesn't stink a little. You can't have good soil if it hasn't been through some stuff. So you know what I need you to know about this beautiful place y'all call Queen City Church? I need you to know that this place is an anointed place of God, full of a lot of broken, imperfect people, ordinary people that God's using to do an extraordinary thing. And if the goal of getting planted in this house of God with this group of people of God is to find the perfect church, you're gonna be disappointed. It's never gonna be perfect. But I'll tell you what this church will be. It'll be real, it'll be authentic, and you'll always be surrounded by people here that will admit they are imperfect sinners in need of a perfect savior. Jesus doesn't ask us to be perfect, he already was. He did it for us, he paid the price for our sin. And if you allow yourself to get planted in this house, if you allow your roots to grow deep, this is good soil. You're gonna find out that God's gonna grow you in your faith and do some things in your life you weren't sure he could ever do. Queen City is good soil. Good soil leads me to godly growth. Godly growth, God's way. I'm in process, making progress. And then as I keep going down through that process, I realize that deep roots create a deep faith that lead to a fulfilled life. That's what God wants for all of us, a life fulfilled. A life where we know beyond the shadow of a doubt we were created on purpose for a purpose. God wants that for each and every one of you. And I believe that all of us have a step to take today. I don't know what that step is. That's between you and the Holy Spirit. But I know that all of us have a step to take. Maybe it is a small group. Maybe it's growth track. Maybe it's giving and generosity. Maybe it's taking that step even though you didn't sign up, you showed up and it's time for you to publicly declare your faith through baptism today. Maybe that's it, I don't know. But whatever that step is, here's my ask. Take this step and trust God with the outcome so that those roots can start to grow a little deeper so that we can be more like oak trees and less like the pine tree. I don't, I don't think God's interested in a, a bunch of Christians that just look the part on the outside. He wants us to be planted and have roots that grow deep underneath the surface, impacting everything they touch and come in contact with. So I just wanna pray over you this morning and pray that whatever the step is, 
you have to take, that you'll have the faith to take it and trust God with it. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? God, thank you for this house. Thank you for what you're doing in this house. Thank you for your word going forth, God. All of us have a step to take. Whatever that step is, may we take it and trust you with it. For those of us that are new to our faith, may we refuse to be, believe the lie of the enemy that we are not enough, that we are inadequate, that we are less than, that we're a step away from messing it all up. May we just have the faith, remembering that you're right there to take our hand and walk with us. And that we found ourselves planted in a house that loves us and wants to help us along the journey. God, for those of us that have been doing this following Jesus thing for a long time, may we refuse to grow stale and complacent in our faith. It's comfort that so often gets the way of our calling. So whatever you're calling us to, may we leave our, our comfort to the side so that we can just step out and trust you. We thank you that you are a good, good God and that your mercy's new every morning and that there's grace for all of us wherever we find ourselves. Help us to have the faith and the courage to step and we'll give you all the praise for it. It's in your name we do pray together and everybody said amen and amen. Come on, can we put our hands together, Queen City, and thank Jesus for what he did today. If there's anything in your life that we can pray for, please visit queencitypeople.com slash prayer. For the latest updates on our church, follow us on social media at Queen City People or visit queencitypeople.com.